with Emily Blunt is over. But we're just getting started here on the SNL post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who say, hold on to your nips, hold on to your nuts. I'm Rob Sisternew. Here's Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I am good. Good. Glad to be back. Yes. Three weeks in a row. We're getting punchy. I know. And getting ready for next week for our, our almost unprecedented. I think it's only I think it's been since 2011 that we've done uh, four in a row. It's four in crazy. a row. We are ready, to, ready to go. And very excited to talk about Emily Blunt, Bruno Mars. James Keese will be with us in just a bit to talk about uh, Bruno Mars and his uh, certainly uh, interesting stuff that he did uh, walking around the studio 8H. So a lot to do. We're going to take your questions as well. Hashtag PS recaps, or if you're posting in the post show recaps chat room live, we can take your questions during the show. Rich, how was your week? You know, it was good. It was uh, it was the it was weird, you know, coming into this show, having seen the uh, debate on Sunday night and not getting an SNL take for six days. Very different than uh, than coming into last week. So a uh, lot, lot to talk about. OK, so let's jump right into this. And we pick things back up again, third week in a row that we have the Alec Baldwin Trump and also the uh, Hillary Clinton from Kate McKinnon. And we had a parody of the infamous second debate, or as Cecily put it last night, the worst debate ever as well. Yeah. Now, I have it on good authority that this uh, that this cold open uh, was uh, boring and unfunny and the Alec Baldwin portrayal stinks uh, part of the media rigging the election. That's what I'm hearing from the top. Well, in terms of the news coming out of SNL, certainly that is the top story where through three weeks of SNL this season, in Donald Trump, who is frequently on the Twitter, responded for the first time to the Alec Baldwin portrayal of him on Saturday Night Live. Uh, this morning, he tweeted, oh, watch Saturday Night Live hit job on me. Time to retire the boring and unfunny show. Alec Baldwin portrayal stinks. Media rigging election exclamation point. And I love that it's 4.14 a.m. without getting into too many politics. Really? That's now, what he's doing? No, just to be fair, now, is that 4.14 a.m. Pacific time or Eastern oh, time? Good point. You know what? That's a good point. I don't actually I, know I think it's probably, it's probably 7.14 Eastern time. But interesting that Donald Trump uh, weighs in here. Now, the Donald Trump and the Baldwin family do have a storied history where uh, Baldwin brother Stephen Baldwin, I believe, is a two-time Celebrity Apprentice contestant. And I do remember that, that if I, again, my memory may be failing me, I do recall that at one point that uh, Donald Trump being getting on Stephen Baldwin's case over you couldn't get your brother Alec to come down here. You couldn't get your brother out. Like, why didn't you call Alec Baldwin and get him to donate to the charity? Nice. So this, is, this is all big payback. All big payback. It's I all. Like. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, Chekhov's Alec Baldwin. Yeah. This does, does give credit to what we've been saying, which is that, you know, when, when last year we had Daryl Hammond and then before that we had Taryn Killam, that the Trump just needed the bite that uh, that SNL was not providing. We needed that kind of Tina Fey as uh, as um, a Sarah Palin kind of edge to it that uh, Alec Baldwin is bringing. Uh, so clearly it it rattling trump enough to uh, to have him tweet about it is is a good sign for the sake of comedy so you don't feel like that there will be a a move.org petition to get daryl hammond back to being donald trump i don't think so I or change.org be- probably yeah, yeah. yeah exactly exactly yeah 
<laughs> All right. So, it, so that's sort of the backdrop in terms of this. Uh, Rich, did you feel like that last night's uh, Donald Trump sketch crossed the line that the two previous ones hadn't? Did, what, what was the reason why he ended up tweeting about this after last night's show? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, in a way, I think that this uh, this was probably the of the three cold opens, probably the most way towards uh, time spent on Hillary Clinton. Now, some of the Hillary stuff was actually jokes that were pro Hillary, but this was a uh, almost a, a fair uh, a screen time. I mean, the, the first two were really just beating Donald Trump, just joke, 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 where this, he had a lot of downtime. Uh, I, I think it's probably just getting to him that it's really such in the public consciousness now. I think a lot of people had been doing Trump, whether it's Jimmy Fallon or Daryl Hammond uh, or, you know, and, and I think this is sort of the, now the galvanizing impression in the, in, in pop culture right now. Uh, so it just becomes a bigger target for the, person who's being made fun of yeah because i did feel like of the three political cold opens that we've had this season i thought this one was the weakest yeah, I, I think so. I think part of it was because a lot of like, you know, uh, you know, like the whole bit about Trump being a shark with the music, I thought it was well executed in the cold open, but it was old news. You know, I've already seen, you know, Rob Zombie rescoring the, the you know, the debates, you know, the horror music and, and many other things. So I think there was a lot of stuff that was it was hard to sort of be fresh on on this one. Um, but in general, I thought I still I still liked it. I thought it was probably the highlight of the show. Uh, you know, a lot of fun stuff, but I, I don't know. I agree. I don't know that it was the funniest. Also, Rich, uh, we had a Ken Bone appearance in the opening. Uh, Bobby Moynihan plays Ken Bone. What do you think of what SNL did with Ken Bone? I mean, it was, you know, it was great. It was uh, it was uh, Sam Paxton who uh, said to us on Twitter uh, the night of the actual debate. Uh, what do you say? Uh, you know, Bobby Moynihan for Ken Bone. It was it was such an obvious one. What I would say about that and that this, this is going to be the lens through which I will talk about this entire episode. Much of the writing and performance of this episode was not brilliant premises. So sketches, I think, in this episode really came down to the performance. Uh, performance of execution and this was a case where we all knew bobby was going to play ken bone there was nothing new and fresh to deliver on ken bone but then my man bobby shows up and just does his little dance and i was just like yay 10 out of 10 it's exactly what i wanted it to be it's just that bobby lovable snuggly huggable face and that little perverted twinge it was just perfect and yeah. they, and it was quick enough they it was just like here's your hit that you knew was coming next moving on it was i so i thought it was really really good yeah, and I liked the Martha Raddatz line of, you're not going to be some weird little creep, are you? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Interesting also with the moderators. Uh, I thought that Cecily did a great Martha Raddatz uh, from the second debate. And interesting, we had Anderson Cooper back here on a debate stage where, Rich, if you remember back to last season, the infamous uh, John Rednitsky portrayal of Anderson Cooper we had a very different perspective of Anderson Cooper yeah this was Alex Moffat doing a very non uh, uh impression it was just it felt like he didn't even try he just sort of was just being him uh so it didn't really put much into this one yeah uh anything else from uh, the SNL's uh cold open with uh Trump and Hillary 
Uh, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, I did love when uh, when they throw the question to Trump, are you modeling a, a good behavior for the kids? And he just goes, no, next. <laughs> thought that was very funny. And then I, the moment for me was the whole when he does the bit about the four mistresses are in the audience and Kate McKinnon, again, not in the writing, but in the performance kills it, which he's like, oh, who's here? The mistresses. Oh, my God. I'll never remember my facts and figures. And then she just goes, get real. I'm made of steel. This is nothing. Hi, girl. It was just such a great execution. It was like, this is why Kate McKinnon is killing it in the cast. Super, super funny. Yeah. Michael Che also very strong in this when he asks his question and uh, Trump's like, oh, no. And (laughs) (laughs) he goes, good question. Great question, Denzel. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this was fine. There were high points, but I think that just we were on such a high level over like the first two times that we've seen this it's just a matter of i think that we're just used to it at this point i think we yeah, we kind of yeah we, we do kind of know what the beats are we, we, I like you know when kate mckinnon says that how generous trump has been just last friday he handed me the election very funny line although very reminiscent of lines we've had in each of the other two cold opens uh i will say on a positive note oh i liked and i didn't even know about this till my wife told me that when uh, trump urges everyone to vote on election day write it down November 35th, uh, you know, was my wife had to say to me, oh, that's because Trump got the date of the election wrong in a speech, which I, I couldn't believe. I had to see the video to go, oh, yeah, yeah, he did. He said November 28th was election day. Yeah. Um, I, I will also give a little, uh, I got a lot of nice things to say about Alec Baldwin in this episode. Uh, specifically, uh, I really liked that he did sort of step up his live from New York from Saturday night, uh, uh, you know, because he was doing it with Kate, gave some nice energy to it. And uh, and also, I will say for Alec, I think maybe he's listening to the podcast, because if you looked very closely in the backgrounds of the goodnights, Alec Baldwin was on was was in the back hanging out for the goodnight. So I think he he got my message good, uh, uh, clean and knew knew that uh, knew to step up, which I appreciate him doing a shout out to Alec Baldwin. All right. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the monologue of Emily Blunt. And let me just also say, as we're here getting ready for uh, to get into the rest of the show, if you want to subscribe to the SNL podcast on Post Show Recaps, you can do so anytime. Postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. And we do appreciate your feedback and your star ratings. Okay, Rich, Emily Blunt monologue. And it was a nice song. Not as great as... Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, this is another case of just actors love to sing on SNL. They love to sing. Now, Lin-Manuel gets a whole different pass because of what that was. Um, How good know, was that song last week, though, Rich? Oh, my God. I, I mean, I don't think we Hamilton gave it enough credit expert, last week. I, I said over and over again how much I thought it was great uh, because I'm an expert in all things Hamilton. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, again, this is another one where th- I felt to me like this was a very cute premise that was setting up a big final joke that never actually. No. <laughs> so it was just like and every beat of it was cute. The cookies, the puppies was cute. I thought uh, uh, Pete uh, had a great sort of moment with the massage when he said, I'm going to start with the button, work my way down. Um, and it was sort of like I'm like, OK, we are building to is it. John Krasinski showing up is it like what is what is this going to pay off to and then it just never had a payoff I was like oh oh boy yeah just a jaunty little tune 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, when your big comedic finale is balloons, you're either an your moms are here. iPhone ab or, or ad or you're in big trouble. So <laughs> I was I, I knew I knew we were in big trouble. Uh, this was this was uh, I just wondered if something very last minute fell through. Um, so this this was tough. This was this was ultimately pleasant, but not funny. And uh, we, we, had, we had a lot of digging to do from here. OK. All right. Uh, also, that uh, Scott St. Pierre is letting us know that uh, that I guess Lin-Manuel Miranda will be in the Mary Poppins reboot, Rich. Is oh, that correct? I did not know that. I didn't know that. So what kind of Hamilton expert are you? <laughs> you know what? Anything post-Hamilton, he's dead to me. I'm a Hamilton no. purist. Okay. I only care what happens in the world of Hamilton. I thought you were a Hamilton completist. That's true. That's yeah. true. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Rich, let's talk about the first live sketch of the night, which is the escort service sketch. Uh, and so uh, I wasn't sure where we were going with this. Uh, but then we get into uh, Emily Blunt and Leslie Jones explaining the rules. And we have a lot of uh, interesting rules from these uh, uh, sex workers. Yeah, I would for me from a writing perspective, this to me felt like a second cousin to the Kate McKinnon's character being abducted by alien sketches. Um, it felt very much sort of in that vein where it's we're just going to sort of have uh, you know straight people, and then here come the the, the kooky uh, payoffs. Um, yeah, this was another one. I thought that that it comes down to execution. There were a couple of really funny lines. I mean, I loved Leslie Jones talking about the uh, about uh, you know how she's going to ragdoll him. It's going to sound like a sneaker in a dryer. I thought that was very funny. Uh, a couple of things I thought were cute, but overall, I was just kind of just sort of like, okay, I'm interested to see what the next sketch is. I don't I don't know that uh, I loved it. Definitely not as much as Emily Blunt loved it. I think when she was doing her Patty Pembroke guess the clumsy maid impression she kept laughing every time she had to say oopsie doopsie i muffed it up again yes. i don't quite know why that was so funny to her but i found it endearing that she did find it funny to her now are you surprised that uh mikey day and is it alex moffat yeah that uh, really again it seemed like they're always on screen together and uh so much airtime here in the first three weeks and mean, considering that they're two featured players, it is stunning that unless they wrote this sketch, and I have to imagine that Alex Moffat wrote this sketch, you would think that this would be Beck Bennett and uh, and Kyle Mooney in this slot as, you know, as sort of the the kind of elder statesman ish of that, uh, you know, uh, given that that kind of a role. So very surprising. I couldn't see who wrote it. Nobody posted anything. I, I sort of suspected that they wrote it again. Yeah. Also, uh, what do you think of Leslie Jones's a Stewie from Family Guy impression? <laughs> I liked how bad it was. I did like the physical payoff that they had the outfit ready to go. I thought that was cute. You know, to I me, also- I, I almost feel like that this is uh, to use your cousin's analogy that this is like to me, second cousins to the sketch that opened up the show last week where it's you, you had uh, Vanessa and uh, who, who was the other person that was her brother on the campground? And, oh right, Kyle Mooney. Yeah, and, and it was the same sort of thing where it's like, okay, here's the you know two straight the the straight people, and then also okay, oh, and and now here is more weird things about us. Here's more weird things about us, and and, and we do bad impressions, and we sing songs the wrong way. And I felt like that in a similar premise uh, with this. 
I think that you're right. And, and I think that, again, in execution, that sketch, the campfire sketch, just tickled me way more than this one did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did notice, having saw uh, the New York version and the L.A. version, it was interesting. There are a couple of technical flubs that got fixed on the L.A. version. In the New York version, when Emily Blunt talks about how she'll only kiss with her tongue out uh, a certain amount, it was on the wide shot the whole time, and you couldn't actually see what she was doing. Uh, and then watching it again on the L.A. version, uh, they they corrected the shot uh, and and you could see what she was doing. So a couple of a couple of cleanups uh, that I think probably hurt in the studio audience uh, some of the momentum. So a little oopsie doopsie. The cameraman muffed it up. Exactly. Again. Exactly. Again. Exactly. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, let's get into the uh, how, how do you pronounce this? Melania lemonade. Melania aid. Melania aid. Okay. All right, Richard. Now, I know you are our resident uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda Hamilton expert. Are you also our Beyonce expert? I'm all things Beyonce. I'm your boo. Yes. (laughs) Uh, uh, And maybe uh, that and maybe even that uh, we we should uh, get James in here as the uh, uh, that I suspect that he may know be, be even a more of a Beyonce expert. Well, I will say, I mean, it was funny when Megan was was calling us out on Twitter to say, uh, you know, uh, you know, you guys don't know lemonade. It's like, of course, I don't know lemonade. It was interesting. I felt like uh, if I was going to make a YouTube playlist, it would be Melania Aid, the actual sorry video that this was making fun of. And then the SNL film parody of uh, uh, the day Beyonce turned black. It would be sort of the perfect because uh, it was like watching the sorry video. I just felt so out of my element on every level. Um, So I will say this about. So having watched it, never having seen the sorry video, I seem like it was technically quite well done. It seemed like there were certainly some funny jokes. I didn't know what I was watching. Having then watched the sorry video and then going back and watching Melania aid, I would say it was a very well done comparison but i don't know that i laughed anymore having seen the 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 actual video other than sort of going oh that's clever what they did Mm -hmm. yeah i had the same experience i had not seen the uh sorry video i watched the show last night i got that it was uh you know what they were going for then i watched the sorry video but it wasn't like then after watching lemonade the or melania aid again there wasn't anything that really rang true for me more so than uh the line about the uh the guy with the weird hair at at the point with the uh becky with the good hair line comes up i also felt like it was a little bit hard to understand cecily's melania and what she was saying i could have used subtitles Yes, I agree. I agree. I, I, having watched it a second time, I was like, oh, that's what's going on. It was also a hard thing that, you know, the in the, in the now having seen the sorry video, sort of part of the main chorus is middle fingers up. Uh, and here we're doing four fingers up. And I couldn't quite get what the comedic premise of four fingers up was supposed to be. So I feel like either I missed something or a major part of, of you know, of the parody was sort of a little bit of a shrug for me because I didn't quite know what they were doing. Rich, what's your rule on a cameo appearing in another sketch as the same character? So when Alec Baldwin is playing Trump and he's in the cold open, 
Does that count for you as a cameo returning for another sketch as the same character? Very good question, Rob. And is Rich's rules of cameos. This didn't bother me because I feel like this was just Alec being a supporting player. There was no big reveal of Donald Trump to which we would go, oh, well, of course it's Alec Baldwin because Alec Baldwin, we saw him in the cold open. This was sort of like just sort of a supporting player uh, to it. So it didn't bother me at all because it wasn't sort of meant to be a big uh, a big show of look Alec is in this video I'll tell you what also I think that they overdid it with Melania that in uh, deference to Trump here that uh, I, I'll say that maybe he has a point of do, do we need multiple Melania sketches in one episode of SNL don't you feel like that they have to either do this or uh, Melania moments I, yeah, I think so. I think the Melania moments, they probably banked a number of them uh, in the beginning of the year. So they sort of just have them and they're like, hey, this is when we can use them. Uh, but I agree. I think this was a uh, I think, as you know, Jonathan Schwartz in our chat room was like, it's weird. They parried a music video that was like six months old. I don't actually know the timing on that, but it, it it was a weird timing. I mean, it is an interesting question of what must Melania be thinking, but we're not actually parroting anything that she has said or done. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it with a music video that is not uh, in the pop culture zeitgeist either. So I think maybe that's all why we all kind of went, I feel like I should like this more than I'm liking it right now. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Melania aid? Uh, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah, I did like the little tag of when she says, I wrote this all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like that. All right. So let's talk about the Ann Arbor short film film festival uh, Q&A. Uh, with Vanessa Bayer as the only person in the audience who is not in on the making of the film Qua Rich. Have you ever been to a film festival like this? Uh, I, yes, I will say the thing that you put in the plus column of this sketch was its accuracy. This was uh, this was clearly written uh, by people who really have been to a number of these things uh, so much so that to me, the the best joke of the entire sketch was the first joke when he asked the cast and crew to come up and all of the audience save one gets out of the audience and gets on the stage. I that made me laugh harder than just about anything else. I thought that was very funny. Yeah. And then I'm sorry, uh, Vanessa keeps getting question after question and uh, has to answer it. And I I mean, there were some funny moments in this, but I do feel like that once we got that initial joke of everybody's up on the stage and passing the mic around, I feel like that there wasn't a lot of room to go from here. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of sort of there there wasn't a lot of heightening of the how dumb or self uh, important the short film people were um, but I thought I mean I think in general I would I would say that I thought Vanessa really showed herself to be MVP it's hard to compare to Kate McKinnon and Alec Baldwin but I think this was really her doing a lot of the heavy lifting I actually think she was probably one of the funnier bits of the Melania 8 as well here I think this completely relied on her ability to be like oh me again uh, uh, okay I thought that every time they went back to her it delivered for me that then the questions that she asked, I don't know that I necessarily got a big uh, a big laugh to. But even when she's just sitting and she just pulls the mic down to the chair so she doesn't have to get up to ask a question, I thought was very funny. Um, and then the rest of it was definitely amusing, but I don't know that it was uh, it was that funny. Yeah, I also liked her question about the number threes in the woods, and they were like, "What? What are you, what are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, I thought one of the most uh, inside baseball accurate things that made me really made me giggle, although it essentially is not funny. 
is when uh, she asked a question and I don't remember a Kyle Mooney said something and then Cecily Strong grabs the mic and says just to piggyback off of what Andrew said and that made me laugh because I've heard that line a thousand times I thought that was a great like I'm also going to answer that question I also need to be heard so it was funny and then they did the the tag the sort of final joke is an old SNL trope but it does make me giggle every time which was the you know I'm doing nothing I'm doing nothing I'm in girl on a train and I'm like oh it's Emily Blunt playing herself which yeah is a, it, I, I like it, that it, oh, always an easy laugh never brilliant gets me every yeah. time compared to some of the other quote-unquote endings we have later on in the show then uh, very yeah. strong very very yes. very strong yes i agree okay rich uh, let's also let's talk about chunk yeah you know th- again i would say this is another one i don't think the writing was particularly strong but I think on execution, I give it a, a, a you know, I, I think this was definitely a, a B sketch. And I mean that in a good way. I think there was just enough sort of the, you know, silliness, uh, the way Cecily Strong did the VO instead of just saying Chong was junk. Uh, and, you know, and, and the reactions from the other ladies I thought were very funny. Um, if this was 20 seconds longer, I would have been uh, over it. But I, I, I liked where it went. Uh, sort of this weird sort of mean spirited uh women uh you know sort of a clothing store uh, thing i thought it was I, th- I thought it was cute do you feel like it was parodying anything in particular or it was just an absurd idea I think it, I mean I have to imagine it was the idea of uh you know of of women's clothing you know all, you know many different you know uh clothing stores that are ostensibly advertising to women but are really just glamorizing the you know a certain body type and this being sort of the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Like that there are certain women's clothing stores that are saying that uh they're therefore uh, a fuller figure but the men shop at normal clothes store. Or, yeah, or the idea that, you know, that women clothing stores that are sort of like very, you know, pro women girl power. But when you look at the advertising, all of the models in the ad are one size. Uh, You know, they're not they're not a full uh, diversity of uh, female sizes. I I, I wonder if it was a little bit something about that. Yeah, boy. And uh, as Jen Manning mentions in the comments, people have been peppering me on Twitter. If I shop at normal clothes, (laughs) they felt like a lot of people felt like that, uh, that that look like uh, many of my outfits at normal clothes. <laughs> that's your, that's your jam. Yeah, that's your look. Well, where <laughs> yeah. do you want me to shop at? Okay. Normal yeah. clothes sounds good to me. All yeah, right. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and, and bring in James. Cause we have to talk about Bruno Mars and yes. uh, what, wh- and what he was doing because uh, it was uh, in my mind, unprecedented. And let's get, of course, the editor of exclaim magazine, James keys, James, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Thanks. All right. James, uh, very excited to talk about Bruno Mars and uh, his performance on SNL last night. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't I can't think I'm going to have to rely on Rich's historical expertise, but I do not think anyone has ever started a performance backstage and ended up on stage on I SNL. Not, I've been racking my brains. I could not think of it. I'm sure there's one if anyone Mark in the chat room will remember, but I cannot remember a single one. No. And that was fun. Yeah, I thought it I thought it added a lot of energy. Uh I thought the the fact that they and it it seems like something that came out of him having hosted before and feeling comfortable with the environment and no kind of knowing what they could do and not do, but I thought just coming out of the dressing room, uh having the the backing guys all, you know, doing their court that they'd coordinated a dance and they'd done some choreography. They had a they had a plan for how to use the space physically 
on the way to the stage. It wasn't just like, oh, now we're just going to walk to the stage as we perform. Um, you know, they they put some thought into it, and I I thought it was really good. It just uh, it just added a whole interesting visual element to it um, that uh, that I thought was really great. What about the actual song? Uh, you know, it's twenty four K Magic. It's uh, you know, it's a good song. Uh, it's kind of a throwback um, to uh, kind of an eighties funk uh, sort of Prince ish kind of sound. Uh, I think a lot of people are disappointed because this doesn't, it isn't Uptown Funk. Uh, But what people have forgotten is that Uptown Funk is not a Bruno Mars song. Uptown Funk is a Mark Ronson song that Bruno Mars just sings the vocal. So I think he's a little bit the victim of Mark Ronson's success because everybody loves that song. And then they're like, oh, new Bruno Mars. It's going to be like Uptown Funk. That's awesome. Um, Although I would no. ask you, James, like, because I love Bruno Mars's first album, I think his first two albums, which had a very almost fifties inspiration to it, um, and and this doesn't, as you said, it's more of an eighties inspiration. But I think looking at really all of his big hits prior to this had a little bit of that fifties flavor to it that I loved being infused into modern music. And I was mm-hmm. because I'm not as big of a, a fan of the eighties genre. I, I I am not that I'm disappointed. I'm just like, oh, this song is less for me than than prior Bruno Mars albums. Yeah, and I was curious because when 24 Karat Magic came out, I thought, okay, well, is this just uh, the single that sounds like this or is the is is this basically the sound of his new record? And uh and I, after Chunky, the second song, which it was good, Chunk? but I think it's Chunky. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's, I think it was sponsored by Chunk. The, the, yes. the yeah, it was very, very odd timing. Very <laughs> odd timing that we had Chunky effort. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I was, it's sort of more of the same, but not as good. I, you know, it was, it was sort of like a, oh, okay, so that's like eighty-five percent as good as the previous song, kind of in the same uh, vein. So it seems like this is kind of the sound he's going for on his new record. If um, you know, if if 24K Magic was a one-off, I think you would have you would have seen something different in the second song. James, I also thought it was interesting the uh, throwback jerseys that the guys in the band uh, were wearing. The backup dancers. We had a a, mm-hmm. uh, a Bulls uh, Jordan 45 jersey. You had a mm-hmm. Knicks Allen Houston jersey and a Mets Todd Hundley jersey. So I thought it was interesting that it was all 90s jerseys. Uh, yeah, I was really just impressed that the guy in the Mets jersey just wasn't weeping uncontrollably. He really <laughs> managed to keep it together, so that was good. James, come on. It, it's, it's been two weeks. Or is that just <laughs> this, the state of all Mets fans at all times? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I thought you didn't yeah. care about baseball. Well, you know, sometimes. Sometimes, like, yeah. On a part-time basis, I care. <laughs> all right, what about the second song from Bernal Lars? Yeah, Chunky. Um, good. I liked it. It was a strong performance, but it wasn't great. Uh, It didn't inspire me uh, to, you know, it wasn't like, oh, Bruno Mars has uh, many tricks in his bag this time. It seemed like, oh, it's it's just the one trick. Okay, Uh, Jane, did you have anything else you wanted to add on the Beyonce sketch? Uh, Sadly, I'm um, I've been working all weekend. I'm writing the cover story for the magazine this this month. So I only selectively watched the episode. So I've seen the Beyonce video. I haven't seen the Melania sketch. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. No problem. All right. Well, definitely give if you have any ta- hot takes on it, let us know in the comments. I will. Yeah. Okay. And before you guys want to say it, Bruno Mars, talk about a, a shout out that has to be made. Bruno Mars was excellent. Not for a song, though. MVP of the night is the freaking Steadicam operator at SNL. That was a two minute tracking shot. No cutaway on live television of a band performing with about 25 extras. And it was flawless i watched it three times those two it was two minutes and it was a flawless shot and he's walking backwards half the time so to the crew of 8h boy great work that was really really something good stuff yeah it was it was a really good technical achievement and james lady gaga next week i know another trend of a host coming back as musical guest Right. Um, it seems like she's going in more of a kind of stripped down, acoustic-y, maybe country direction. So we may get a more subdued Lady Gaga next week. We'll have to see. Okay, we'll watch for the subdued Gaga next week. All right, James, uh, great job. Good luck with all of the uh, the work you're trying to bang out this weekend. You can follow James on Twitter, at Exclaim Editor. All right, James, talk to you next week. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Rich, let's jump into the weekend update from this week. Uh, I did feel like it was a little bit of a step back from last week's weekend update, which was uh, just electric uh, to go back into the uh, all the election stuff from this week. Here's an interesting take on watching it a second time. I was struck by how much I really liked the weave of Colin Jost's jacket. And not not being a fashion guy, that tells you something if I noticed the weave of his jacket. That is not a thumbs up for a comedy. Yeah, I thought that they did the same thing they've been doing, which is they devoted the entire first comedic joke segment to just Trump. Um, just, Just not as effective. Uh, some funny jokes to be sure but nothing that I thought was particularly like nothing I even bothered to jot down I thought it was uh, a lot of cute stuff but but really nothing funny I think uh, again it's just the execution and uh, I don't think they had anything in here that was like that I haven't already heard from other people I like the joke about that Trump looks like he's groping the air yeah it's cute that was yeah yeah definitely Uh definitely some cute stuff yeah Okay, well, we had a couple of uh, uh, guests at the desk. Uh, Olya Pavlotsky is back. Must be at least the fourth time for Olya at the desk. Yeah, I mean, well, it was, uh, boy, it was just twice last year. We haven't seen her since May of last year, the first time. Uh, you know, and this is one, uh, you know, Mark and I were talking before the show that, uh, you know, I was a huge fan of Olya the first time and the second time, and I think even the third time. Uh, and I always love Kate McKinnon's delivery and her execution. The problem is we all know there are two or three major beats of an Olya sketch, and we all know what they are and we all see them coming. So it then comes down to the execution of, of the particular jokes of this. And I, and I thought it was absolutely pleasant. It was amusing. It, I did not feel like my time was being wasted, but uh, it was not necessarily anything to write home about. I, I didn't think this was uh, particularly great. Did you like that Olya Pavlovsky sleeps with a Samsung Galaxy <laughs> Note in her mouth? 
in her mouth, which I like that. I did like that end, yeah. And I did like the little take on Mambo number five, the little pieces of Monica all over the place. So that that was just a cute, weird reference to nothing. Uh, but, you know, and again, her performance will always sort of put it in the thumbs up category because she just brings such an energy to it. But, uh, you know, with this and the next correspondent we're about to talk about, it's just like, ah. Uh, we just need to see something fresh. This is just getting old. Yeah. And of course, uh, Laura Parsons is back. The teenage news or I guess the I don't know how they say how old she is. Uh, she used to be even younger. Yeah. Yeah. The news, the news reporter, the kids news uh, there with Michael Che. And I mean, I did laugh during this that uh, that I did. Get, it got some chuckles out of me. Um, but we've talked we've talked about the the issues here. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing they were, you know, they always say they're, you know, it's it's always the same thing. Um, so when the jokes work, I mean, the, the basic premise of this is now is the preteen news correspondent will set up a, a, a salacious story in a very G rated way. And then she'll say the actual R rated thing in a really loud voice. <laughs> so a, a couple of times it did make me giggle. I did love, 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 love when they were talking about Billy Bush saying, bad things and she goes and he might get 10 million he might get 10 million dollars from this network <laughs> I thought that was a really great joke nice little slap at SNL I thought that was very funny that was good and I like the Ken Bone stuff also about uh, Jennifer Lawrence uh, yeah that- yeah, yeah. <laughs> her butthole so I thought I thought it generally was fun I thought every time she uh, did her you know little audition voice for uh, for Mary Poppins it felt like she was doing Patty Pembergast the clumsy maid oopsie doopsie i muffed it up again from uh, from the escort sketch so a mm-hmm. l- little bit weird on that but uh yeah i thought overall this weekend update was uh was a, by far the weakest of the three this season okay rich let's go back to the live sketches after update and let's talk about the burger king limo you know, I couldn't put my finger on this sketch. I felt like I was missing something. And then it was this morning when when Mark texted me and said, do you think this was the first instance of the SNL product integration deal they announced at the end of last year? And then watching it a second time, it all fell into place. It was like I saw all the pieces that from the from the lingering Burger King shot to talking about the angry Whopper, explaining what the the the, the Doritos fries are. And I was like, oh, I see what this is, because there wasn't a single joke at Burger King's expense in the piece. It was it was all uh, it was all sort of, uh, you know, either pro Burger King or, or just sort of neutral. So I, I very strongly suspect that Mike is right. And that and that's why we saw the sketch. Interesting, because I thought this was uh, a rough sketch, Rich. I would. Uh, I, I think if if you could see the license plate of that Hummer, it would have said, "Uh, boy." It was. Uh, and this is the hardest kind of sketch to do on live TV because not only is it a bunch of sight gags, but on live TV we can't tighten up the edit of this big physical prop. We have to roll a window up. We have to move the prop forward uh, to the next window, and then roll the window down. So we had a lot 
of really slow kind mm-hmm. of beats to get to what would then be a funny visual. But a lot of the jokes, I mean, I thought uh, like um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Beck Bennett with the ventriloquist dummy was such a funny visual. And then as real soon as Jeff. he started talking, yeah, real Jeff. But then as soon as he started talking, there was really nothing particularly funny in it. Uh, and we saw that a couple of times with a uh, candy Randy and a couple of other <laughs> like very funny. I did think that the, uh, the, the Kate McKinnon and Cecily strong were particularly funny. I thought they did a nice, uh, I think when they, when four they ordered foods and four a nibble foods and a nibble. Yeah. I thought that was very funny. And uh, uh, so a couple of funny things here, but overall I thought this was, this was a real uh, boy. <laughs> what up? Yeah. yeah. And, and then just, there was no ending whatsoever. It was that <laughs> the Pete Davidson's coworker is in the limo. He's like, Oh, okay. I guess I'll go with you guys too. Right. Yeah. No, I, I exactly. And I, and I thought that more to Mark's point about this was a product integration bit that we just sort of like ended on uh, ordering McDonald's Burger King and going. That's back an interesting note. I hadn't seen that anywhere else. And yeah. uh, so that's a good scoop I, if that's I, right. Yes. I think Mark was definitely right about that. And we did have our prerequisite. A hotter scoop than an angry whopper. That's true. Uh, and we did have our prerequisite Bruno Mars cameo here, which we suspected we would have. So uh, it was uh, fun to see. Really him, wasted but, it. But didn't really pay off with anything. It was, yeah. 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 All right, Rich. Uh, what about this sketch, which I thought was uh, pretty fun, the sync with the Emily Blunt voiceover? I mean, interesting that you look at the pre-tapes in this. You had a huge, uh, you know, Melania aid piece, which was obviously very, very big. And then you've got Chunk, which has got almost every female cast member in it. And then we have a Melania piece at the end. And uh, I thought they were all blown away by the sink. I thought you just had basically someone shooting a sink in a hotel room or wherever it was and then adding a voiceover from Emily Blunt and I thought this was the most fun uh, of the pre-tapes of the night. I just thought this was really inspired, very silly. Someone was probably very stoned when they thought of this but overall I thought it was really, really good. So I, I just love, this is what I love about comedy. When it's a brilliant idea, it can be so simple and so effective that this for me goes on a list of just uh just really inspired stuff i feel so seen yes yeah it was the toilet uh, is just a toilet why do i have to be so big yeah i am an answer to a question that no one has asked i thought that was such a great so so nice i thought uh dave mccary from the good neighbor gang uh directed this he also directed uh the melania moments uh that's coming up in a little bit uh just great job across the board i thought this was really funny yeah and emily blunt really killed it on the voiceover yeah just perfect just really really perfect and i see from the chat room people like jen saying the same thing i think a lot of people really like this really fun okay rich uh, let's talk about the honda robotics lounge now you don't think that this was another uh product placement right no i don't think so no (laughs) just checking (laughs) i'm gonna gonna say no okay yeah i mean this as you know i've been making reference to second cousins i felt this was very related to the matthew mcgonaghy bruce the 3d printed man from two seasons ago Mm -hmm. uh but probably not as good um i thought there was a lot uh, in performance to like about this i mean ultimately i think uh it was a very forgettable sketch i think there's a reason we were seeing it you know well after weekend update before for the closing credits. I suspect this might have come earlier and it didn't play as well in the dress rehearsal. Um, 
I think Leslie Jones was probably the wrong uh, actor to play that role because it just became Leslie Jones doing what Leslie Jones always does, as opposed to finding something interesting about a you know a Honda technician for you know for the sketch. Um, so I thought that it was it was mostly forgettable, although. Clearly, the moment of the sketch was uh, was Emily Blunt just getting in Kate McKinnon's face and just over and over that. Would you like an ooey gooey tasty quesadilla uh, to the point where, uh, you know, she really bro- almost broke. And, and I thought Emily committed a thousand percent here. So that that I thought was really good. Yeah. And I have nothing to add here with with the robots. Yeah. It, it was like one joke going on over and over and over again. And and not and I'm going to say this and it's not a fair thing to say, but I'll say it anyway. I actually uh, during the sketch thought, you know what? I've seen too much Mikey Day in this episode. Oh, and I don't and I don't mean that as a, I don't have anything bad to say about Mikey Day. But I thought it was just another like, oh, like I, I would like to have seen us sort of mix it up. It was just a lot of like, yep, I get it. This. OK. All right. Move on. Yeah. An angry whopper take. Yes. Yeah. Um. All right, well, let's uh, move on to the Melania moments. And third week in a row, we have our Melania moment this week. Melania wants to switch places with the maid who looks like Melania. Uh, yes, I, I thought this was probably the weakest of the three. Um, your, you know, your point earlier, we've already seen Melania in a pre-tape. I think that sort of hurts us a little bit. I like that they're doing these. I think we'll see these as a runner through to the election. Um, it was fine. I thought it was okay. Yeah, it's just too much Melania when, you know, Melania, out of all the things to cover in this election, uh, Melania's contributions to uh, the discourse uh, and not a ton of stuff going on with Melania. Yeah, I, I will. I will say that uh, to your point, I think that even though I think they had these banks, I think it would have been better to skip this week since we had the Melania aid. I think you were right about that. OK. All right. Uh, then let's talk about the uh, what is it called? The British Bake Off, Rich? Yeah, the Great British Bake Off. Do you watch that? Have you checked Not that out? Not at all. Okay. No, I have. I have no. Uh, I have no. And I don't know that if I had seen the actual show, it would have made this that much funnier. Um, I think we're sliding a little bit off a cliff at this point in <laughs> at the show. I think the wear and tear of three weeks in a row, uh, knowing they've got a fourth week coming, started to affect the writing, and we're, we're really starting to see it in the, in this sketch. Yeah. Also, I think that perhaps the. Emily Blunt, it was hard. Maybe it's hard to get up for the Emily Blunt show in terms of like, there's not a lot to work with. I feel like not a lot to sink your teeth into in terms of writing for the Emily Blunt show. Yes. Yes. There really wasn't a lot of call outs to make. So uh, this was a chance for someone else to be British with her. Uh, You know, sure. okay. Um, I thought the funniest joke was in the uh, was in the voiceover at the beginning when Cecily Strong says, you're watching PBS, you little smarty you. Mm -hmm. I thought that I I was like, oh, what is this? This is going to be good. Uh, I like Big Brother. Mm -hmm. I like baking shows. (laughs) uh, And yet, um, sure. Uh, it, it certainly wasn't an, a uh, boy I'll save that, but, uh, but it was, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what there is to say about this. It was fine. Yeah. All right. And then let's talk about the, uh, 10 to one sketch or the five to one sketch, the hamster cage. I, I actually really did like this. Uh, well, that makes one of us. Uh, <laughs> <I> well, <will. laughs> okay. Uh, I thought it was fun for the end of the show. 
It went on too long, probably, but I did it. I did like the concept. I, from a scale of one to ten, I give this an uh boy. <laughs> I, uh, this was. I think this sketch was thirty-seven minutes long. I didn't actually <laughs> time it, but I think this actually had a three-act structure, like a Broadway play. They might have taken an intermission in the middle of the sketch. Um, I love that they went for this, but I was solidly in the camp of the studio audience. That was. Uh, I was unfortunately just not buying what they were. <laughs> yeah uh there was one line where i liked when kyle mooney uh, as the kid uh when uh he's being asked by 80 the mom like oh what's going on and he's like oh the the older one is playing mind games with the ingenue <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I thought it could have been probably a lot shorter but i did like how uh you know i i didn't see where it was going with the when they first started with the storyline of what's going on with these ham Upstairs. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's such a big we're going for this weird sort of like almost like a play like an uh, like a, a play a Tennessee Williams play <laughs> with hamsters and big set pieces <laughs> that I, I just I don't know. This one was rough. Right? And I think that the I think that they knew that this one didn't connect. I, I think that they they were well aware they were sort of <laughs> on stage. And not hamster pellets. Yeah, but I liked that you liked it. I mean, that's what I love about the show is that it's, you know, it's uh, everyone has their own It was just so absurd that I enjoyed it. (laughs) I cannot argue with that. It was absolutely so absurd. Okay. All right, Rich. uh, You touched on the good nights already and Alec Baldwin. Anything else from the good nights and Emily Blunt? Yeah, it was a weird, again, I know this means nothing, so everyone can indulge me. It was a weird good night. I mean, you had a major moat. You had Emily and Bruno, and then you had at least four feet of space before a back line. Now, that back line was basically Bruno Mars's band with Sashir, uh, and then everyone else behind them. So it was very, very weird. And then uh, Josh maybe on the, in Twitter was like, boy, was there a problem between Emily Blunt and the male cast? Cause she didn't sort of uh, say anything. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say that, but it was odd watching the extended goodbyes. She goes over, she gives Kate McKinnon a hug. It's a very long hug. And there's a conversation between the two of them. Uh, and then basically Emily Blunt's back sort of towards the back of the stage with Leslie Jones and then Vanessa Bayer. You only see her interacting with women. Um, that might just be coincidence. It might be the logistics of who stood where looking back at the night you go you know really emily blunt only really directly interfaced mostly with other females uh she was in sketches with some men uh, hamsters being the last one but for the most part she was really like it's her and cecily it's her and kate it's her and all the women uh her by herself so i i i don't think there's anything there i don't know if there's a there there but it was an odd good night i'll definitely say that okay all right, let's dive into a couple of questions about the show. Just a few here. Uh, here's the first one from Mick Barr, who says, uh, new writers help add fresher sketches, so maybe we won't have a lot of repeats. Rich, do you prefer new stuff that doesn't work or a repeat? I mean, always a new stuff. I, oh, you know, now again, you know, do I love, a, you know, when a sketch, when a, when a classic sketch is sort of in the moment, you know, to see Stefan again, I'm always going to say, yes, I love Stefan, uh, you know, or something like that. But for the most part, I'd always love to see them try something new and fail rather than trot out a character that's been beaten to death where I can basically, I'm writing the punchlines in my head before the actors are saying them. So it's clearly the first. Okay. Jen Manning wants to know, does Pete Davidson really have 
all those tattoos. Two different sketches. Uh, we saw Pete Davidson in a short sleeve shirt where we saw uh, extensive like arm and forearm tattoos. One, uh, I, I believe that's real because uh, it was in the monologue and the Burger King sketch. Uh, and two, are they new? Um, that's a good question. I don't think that they're new. I think that he's had uh, tattoos for a long time. I, I think that that's been something he's had. And I'm pretty sure that having seen him on the roast of Rob Lowe, I think he had those same tattoos. I, I can't say 100% for sure, uh, but I'm I'm pretty sure that he's had those for a long time. Okay. Um, and then this is uh, heading into next week. Johnny DeSevera wants to know, are there any Tom Hanks callbacks that you would uh, expect to see next weekend? And also like more, what are your expectations for Tom Hanks next week? It's a different era from last time he hosted. Uh, will this be a classic or a dud? So how far back was the last Tom Hanks hosted SNL? Was it, I feel like it was Ten one years. of these. It Two, was, 10 years, 2006. And, and it was like a Da Vinci code, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, you know, we have he's shown up here and there. By the way, I'm I'm just looking at a couple of quick uh, Pete Davidson photos uh, from uh, early in SNL, and he does not seem to have nearly as many tattoos. So I think uh, I think our gang was right. They are probably at least recent to the last few years or year or two, because he does not see he did not seem to have them when he started uh, on SNL. And this uh, I'm way off base on this. I think that one of them is a it, it's the it's like a drawing of a girl. And I believe that that's Larry David's daughter. Oh, I know he is dating Larry David's daughter. I, I think so that be- that, that, that's, I could be way off base on that, but I think that that's, uh, that's my detective work. That's very interesting. Well, it makes sense. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the, you know, so Tom Hanks, I actually had thought about the seeing Tom Hanks coming back. I was very excited for a while to see him come back. You know, if anything, to me, the dream would be to see John Lovitz uh, do a cameo and have them do their uh, hello and goodbye. That made me laugh for seasons of Tom Hanks showing up. And I think it is probably one of the pieces that would hold up the most. It would be so fun to see that i don't know what john lovitz is doing i can't imagine that he's busy i just don't know if he would want to come back but i think that would be really fun to see yeah i'm on the snl wiki and again i don't know how uh (laughs) you know if we want to say uh just how how canon it is uh but they cite that tom hanks characters include girl watcher as you mentioned uh uh mr short-term memory which I loved at the time, but I don't know that there's any reason to bring that back. Yeah. Uh, uh, Uri uh, Shalonson. Does, does that ring a bell? No, that doesn't ring a bell to me. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll see necessarily uh, what Tom Hanks uh, has in mind. But probably you think this is an alumni show? I don't know. I bet not. I, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of alumni. I mean, I think Tom Hanks is great at just showing up and being plugged into whatever's new. Uh, so I bet that we're just going to see him playing with the kids. Tom Hanks, even, you know, you know, it's been now t- a decade and I guarantee he's just going to be in it all in and have a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to him. OK, should be uh, very fun. Uh, Rich, what do you think that SNL's response will be to the Trump tweet? Do you think that we come back next week and Trump gets hit harder than uh, anything we've seen these first three weeks. I don't know how they could hit Trump any harder at this point. I mean, there's really they're just going for it. Uh, Or do you think they back off? 
No, no, I don't think this has any. I think that I think that Alec Baldwin has this printed out poster sized and for this tweet and framed for his uh, for his office. Mm-hmm. I think that it's probably his, you know, probably prouder than winning an Emmy for 30 Rock. I think he's probably so excited by this. The truth is. It happened early Sunday morning. That's a lifetime ago. By the time we get to even Wednesday of the table read, that will have been a lifetime ago. So I think it's just fuel for the fire. They're just going to continue to sort of just, you know, and and really logistically, when you're the producers of SNL, you're thinking we very likely will not have much of Donald Trump in the public consciousness going into mid-November. So we just have to just maximize the amount that we get out of this guy. So they're just going to go for broke in this next episode but do you think that there is a working the refs element to it where maybe they don't back off of trump but do you think they hit hillary harder to sort of if there's the perception out there that they're hitting one side harder than the other no, I don't. I don't think so. And I might have said. I mean, there was an episode early on where I mentioned when we talked about Weekend Update that there were no jokes about Hillary's leaked emails. I think that having nothing to do with politics, they are shameless comedy whores as they should be, as we want them to be, and they will go where the funny is, and they're not going to lean one side or the other just because of uh, someone, you know, some people criticizing their their lack of uh, commitment to comedy. So my suspicion is. Is that we will just get them hitting hard again it also will depend on what happens in the next week and if there's a bigger hillary story of course they'll hit hard with that mm-hmm. but in general i i don't think so i think that they'll just uh they'll just go wherever the funny is okay all right so rich that's gonna do it for us here this week next week tom hanks and lady gaga should be a exciting show to talk about uh anything else you wanted to touch on no, I'm, I'm excited to see next week. I'm a, I'm a, a shameless uh, Tom Hanks uh, a fan. I'm just really excited to see him back. All right. Also, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get next, next week's show. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes to subscribe. We also appreciate your feedback and your star ratings. Thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes and editing the podcast version. Of course, James Keast and everybody in the chat room watching us live. Take care. We'll be back next Sunday. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.